Hello everyone, this is John Corvas Mons, CEO of Wondo Mobility, a ferrovial group company. Wondo, it's an urban mobility marketplace that provides access to multiple modes of transportation, both public and private, spanning motor sharing, car sharing, taxi, bike sharing, and public transportation. So we are designing the future of mobility in a day-to-day basis. Due to the complexity of this space and the huge transformation we'll see in the following years, I decided to hold some interviews with thought leaders and main stakeholders around urban mobility and ask them directly about their vision of this market. And after COVID-19 impact and the resulting uncertainty, it's even more important now because changes, in my opinion, are going to be accelerated a lot. So welcome to this first interview with Jasmine uh, Fash. Uh, I've met her in an advisory board we have created together with the Madrid Bus Transit Agency, Ferrovia Mobility and Gogo Network. And I've been very impressed by her knowledge, deeply understanding of transportation and everything they are doing at Gogo Network. She worked previously at McKinsey and Company in New York for many years as a leader of the public sector. And now she is co-founder and COO of Gogo Network. We'll talk about Gogo during the interview, but Gogo Network is one of the most promising mobility startups in Europe, focused on revolutionizing autonomous transportation with a shuttle-based approach. So hello, Jasmine, welcome to the show. Thanks, John, very happy to be here. Okay, so let me start with the first question that I prepared before COVID crisis, but I think it's still relevant. How did you go to your office this morning? <laughs> so as you can see, my office is around me. Uh, it took me around two minutes, I would say, or less. And it's a big change uh, compared to my usual 45-minute transit from Madrid, Chambéry to Alcobendas. So I'm very grateful for that one thing of COVID is that actually we're like uh, living what could be a world without traffic and pollution. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we will not go back to that when we start moving again. I hope so too. <laughs> so we are talking a lot. I don't know if you've seen uh, what Twitter is doing. So these days, yeah. because they are implementing remote working forever and we've been like yeah. kind of talking a lot in Twitter about all this. And I think it's a... Uh, important discussion that we we have in in also in the advisory board meetings we have every week so because we didn't know if it's what if it was going to be a huge impact or not because once we see the numbers what we are seeing is the that that only 25 percent of the workforce can actually work from home so what do you think about that do you think that the remote working is going to have a huge impact on urban mobility on our cities or is just not that important no, I mean, I think you said one important number is that at the end of the day, first, only 25% of the workforce can actually work from home. And I think before COVID, it was between 4 and 5%. And I think uh, post-COVID, even if this trend is like accelerated and if we get to 10, 8 to 10%, it would be a max. So there's a cap to how much mobility can change because maybe only 8 to 10% of the population can work remote. That said, I still feel that it can be an uh, important uh, trend and that it will change at least some f- 
some some mobility uh, trends. But it, I think it will also help uh, companies maybe be more flexible. It doesn't mean that you have to work remote all the time and then and then like be in the office all the time. But I think there would be more a mix of okay, maybe you can also like go to work at eleven or twelve or just also have like peak hours a bit extended. I think there is a mindset that actually you can be efficient at home that can be uh, applied to uh, also like scheduling uh, of, uh, of when you go to work because actually I was saying it's 45 minutes uh, in the morning, but if I would go at 12 and actually at Google, we were a lot of time doing maybe we work uh, in the center and then in the afternoon going there, it's like 10 minutes. So I think it, will, it has changed mentalities, especially I think in Spain, it was not so common. Like when I was working in New York, at McKinsey, we do remote nonstop because part of my team were in Atlanta, in other countries, so you had to do it. But um, again, as you said, to also put things in perspective, only 24% of people can work remotely. So yeah, there is probably a, a change here that is going to be flexibility. So probably exactly. that's that's the key that that we we are not going to see like. Uh, that peaks that we we see right now in, in 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 the streets. So probably this is going to be like like flatten the curve of the mobility or the traffic. Yeah, the that's exactly flatten mm. the curve of the traffic hours. That would be ideal. Mm. Yeah, and also the cities that probably are going to to expand to more than fifty kilometers from the center. Probably like this yeah. flexibility allow like different options in terms of living outside the city, but being connected, I don't know, two or three days a week, you can go to your office and, and the rest you can, you can live outside. So, totally. so that, that can be an opportunity for transportation because in the end, I don't know if this kind of 50 kilometers uh, kind of uh, travels are, are defined or, or, or there are opportunities there to, to do something. Yeah, actually, the way we see it also at Gogo, I mean, for the vision of the future, which is like autonomous uh, fleets, uh, that we see that one of the trends that autonomous cars can accelerate is actually like living in more like urban areas because at the end of the day, it's not semi-telework, but if you can use the time that you transit in a more efficient way, meaning you don't have to drive and you can be in your pod or your seat, you can work, you can have a call and so on, then it's not time wasted like, sitting in traffic uh, and stress. It's time that you can use productively. And so maybe you don't mind uh, living uh, a bit outside the city center, a bit further away from work. It's interesting what Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, uh, said like a week before or a couple of weeks before, that Microsoft has seen two years worth digital transformation in just two months. Yeah. So that's, that's a really interesting sentence because in the end we are seeing that digital transformation, which is the base of everything we are doing, that is based on that. So it's being accelerated. So we are seeing that and I think we are, we are living that in our experience. So, so we are feeling that, that the approach or the vision that we have for the future of mobility, there are things that are happening now that we expected to happen uh, in a couple of years. So what, what apart from remote working, uh, what other trends do you think that, that can be accelerated after COVID-19? It's, uh, it's politicians, it's companies, it's startups, it's, like, it's also like shops 
retailer, like a lot of like small uh, shops that never had like, you know, delivery system. And, and I'm saying already one is a trend, but I think like the digitalization is also like uh, linked to actually other trends. And so what we've seen is actually delivery, like the trends toward like actually like getting grocery home, eating at home and so on. It's something that a lot of people were doing that's been accelerated, but I think that will last. Um, there's the, tr in mobility purely, I think we see two trends. One is like for short distances. So all the micro mobility services, uh, like scooters, uh, bicycles and so on that are like multiplied. Like if you look at the number, it's all multiplied by like 100%, 150% and, and, and it makes sense. Uh, on the medium to long term, I think we have to think because the only solution right now is an individual car, in, at least in Spain. And I think what mm -hmm. would make sense would be shared cars so that at least you can have six, seven people protected in pod sharing cars and not like everybody going back to like pollution and contamination. Um, and then in terms of other trends, I think there's also like a, a bigger like uh, appetite or like feeling toward like your, your neighborhood, local uh, community. And we've seen that like a lot of like application, like I don't know if you know next door and that types of, are really like uh, multiplying um their membership and and we see that people will think more like toward consuming local and and and, and so i think this is a not, not mobility related but another trend that is coming out of covid yeah, very interesting yeah i think that this is the it's now a, again a, a completely the priority is, is is digitalization and this is going to be in we are seeing in companies that probably like should be for them it's important but it was not the priority until no, no. now so now now is the first priority because uh, it's, as you said, it's linked to many other priorities. Because if we think about sustainability as, as one of the main priorities that was uh, on top of everything before COVID, it uh, needs to be like that again. But digitalization is, is basically the tool to, to achieve that. So, so we need to, to put the same priority on that. And, and probably in Europe, it's something that we need to build. We need to build that digital infrastructure that, that we don't have because we are using companies uh, from from the states from the us or from the uh, from china so so this is something that probably we need to to focus on right now okay so now i will go back to gogo network to to, sure. to know what's the value proposition what's your long-term vision about the market because i think that it's really interesting your approach about the long term because this is not you are not talking about two, three years time. You are talking about a longer vision, which is interesting to, to understand how the future, or at least how we think the, the future yeah. is going to, to be there. Oh, totally. I think when you think about autonomous cars, you have like all sorts of like myths and uh, theories and every year or every month you hear, okay, they are there, they are not there. Where are they? This is hype. This is not hype. I think our vision is that for sure, what we see is that we think the future will be autonomous shared vehicles. There's no doubt. Will they come um, in uh, three, five, seven years? It depends in which form. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about autonomy, we talk about different levels of autonomy. And the, different, the main difference between level three, four, and five, it's mostly like, are you in a 
control environment or are you in a geofence area, right? And so at the end of the day, um, when you think about like, you know, dedicated lane or delivery, this is autonomous uh, transportation, but like with specific use cases. When we think of robot taxi fleet at scale, what we see is that right now in Phoenix, uh, Waymo is doing um, a real service uh, that brings people from their home to the airport without a driver. And that in China, they also are like in Shanghai and some other cities, and even if you go in Singapore, there's also like, there are also service, but nothing has been done fully at scale and especially nothing is done in Europe. So when we look at like the investment in autonomous driving, there have been over like 80 billion in, in, in the US, uh, over like 40, 50 billion in, in, in Asia and in Europe, we're like struggling with one, two, three billion. The OEM don't have the money to invest. They are trying, but they don't have the money to invest. The governments uh, are doing what they can with small experiments, but you know, like the level of like doing a small shuttle that goes 15 kilometers per hour between a hospital and uh, another campus is not like a service at scale of robotaxi. And so what we're seeing is that basically Europe is really lagging behind and it's very important if we think that the future of mobility is really autonomous vehicles to actually find a way to regulate and orchestrate the deployment of those fleets at scale when it's the time. And so what we're doing at Google Network is actually we want to be operator of those fleets, but to understand better the requirement, we're working very closely with the governments of France, Germany, because those are the two countries that are the most active in mobility and that the most to lose uh, if uh, suddenly Waymo become the next Google of mobility. Um, mm -hmm. European Union, and we're working, okay, what would be the best system that we can put in place to allow for safe service, a fair service that is not just in like the most profitable areas, cherry picking, but that also can serve the larger population? Uh, how do we ensure competition? And that it's not like a monopoly that will come from um, uh, the ground and from other countries that would just like aspire the whole mobility market. How do we ensure that there's collaboration between partners? Because at the end of the day, because it's a new industry in a new sector, nobody can really be a autonomous mobility operator. You need like telecom operator, you need like car manufacturer, you need like transport operator, you need like startups or, or company that have the digital interaction with the consumer. So at mm. the end of the day, you need to put together the, this ecosystem. And so that's what we're, that's our vision for the future. And that's what we're working on at GoGo um, right now. As, as you say, this is a vision that you can break up in steps. For us, the first steps would be uh, creating uh, the right framework so that the right investment can come to the country and the right partnership can come and focusing on autonomous delivery and dedicated lanes for the first wave and then the, the uh, robot taxi fleet at scale. And when I say robot taxi fleet, it's, it means like it would be minivan of eight to 10 people that would work uh, with an app where you can just download an app and get um, where you want, book your seat um, and, and hopefully have a more comfortable experience with a mediatic experience or relaxing experience. And that hopefully one day transportation can be an enjoyable experience. Hmm. That, that's one of the keys, right? The idea of the shuttles instead of, of like vehicles, like normal cars. Because yeah. I think that uh, if you see like, for example, if we follow Elon Musk, that, that he's always talking about the Tesla and, and about an individual robot taxi you know, that 
that's a little bit the, their vision. But in the end, if we analyze that vision in Europe, for example, it's going to be a, a huge problem of congestion. So in the end, it's not, it's not sustainable to go in that direction. So, so the approach will be to start a new kind of vehicles, which will be this, yeah. this kind of 7 to 15 uh, people uh, in the in the cars or in the in the vans or that this is the the I think the the most interesting idea from from your side that this is uh, the thing that is going to to create a new kind of mobility in the cities that is sustainable because if we go only to the autonomous cars congestion is going to be a problem again it could be even worse than hmm. it could be like if you think about it if this very specific point is not well managed. It can be a nightmarish vision of the future where you could just have people sending their car, picking up stuff at any point. And now when you have like maybe 1.2 occupancy per car of people mm-hmm. uh, and it's a total nightmare, if you go to 0.8, it's just like you cannot move in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, and But what is interesting is if you just go to 2, then there's no more traffic. So it's not that you need to put like 70 people in a car or 50 people in a car to, to actually uh, eradicate the tra- traffic. And uh, you just need to put more than one, basically. But our vision is that you could put six to eight, nine, like that, that range so that the route is flexible because you don't want to also have to, because you have to pick, pick passenger and so on. But yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, we will just pay a membership like we pay for phone, uh, for transportation. And that would be super convenient. You don't have to pay for any operation, maintenance. You would just get the service going mm-hmm. to you and it would be much cheaper than like a taxi because, yeah, the technology will allow you to actually save a lot on other costs. And I think it's important also to understand the autonomous te- vehicle technology, that autonomous driving technology, which is that probably uh, most of us, we are thinking about uh, a technology that is only in the car, that the car is going to be uh, smart enough uh, to drive alone without any other infrastructure in place. So I don't think that's the way, or this is uh, what I understood after after hearing some of the experts about this technology, that, that we need to have some infrastructure. We need to have sensors. We need to have things that, that can help the car in a city, for example, in an environment that is more complex, uh, more even in, in all cities like like in in Europe. So this this uh, leads us to to a situation where the cities regulation it's very important so uh, how do you think or what do you think is the role that the cities and regulators need to play here yeah so just to go back to your point on technology i think there is a fundamental debate between like um, some players and the way of this world would say that they don't need infrastructure, that they can put their car anywhere and that they would work. Some other would tell you that actually they, they would work much better. I mean, our vision is that, of course, you, the more redundancy you have, the safer is the car. It's true that it's dangerous to only rely on the infrastructure of the city because if there is one thing that is not working, then the car needs to have like a other security system. But at the end of the day, it's just about redundancy. And I think... Um, especially in Europe where the cities are more complex than in the US or in, even in Asia, like it's going to be fundamental to work uh, with uh, cities and with regulators uh, to actually define like, you know, do you need to do a smart um, road sensors? Do you need to have like a, 
uh, red light, you know, that would say I'm red, I'm red, I'm red in the V2X communication instead of just having the, the camera of the car seeing the color because the more signal you give to the car of the same information, the safer it's going to be. And, and what we see is that basically a lot of cities, when they do the pilot or the test, they, they are like dedicated, dedicating space, they are adding sensors and so on to help the cars. But even more broadly, I think the city needs to, as they are doing today, organize the mobility and they need to say, okay, if this is the service you're providing, maybe you're providing a service that will connect with our other public transportation subway. So that's the route that would be the most helpful. This is how you can pick passengers. Maybe I will give you these dedicated areas to park or to um, also uh, go and have a dedicated lane. So I think it's going to be a collaboration. What is important is that there are like national standards. So that it's not that every city can decide on a safety standard. I think you need national safety standards. You need a national commercial business model that will allow, you know, investor and player to say, okay, if I enter France or if I enter Spain, I have a market at scale. I'm not going to have to go to like Sevilla and negotiate for three years with uh, the mayor of Sevilla and then three years because then uh, we will have uh, only two cities that would be of interest of the big GAFAD uh, player with, and, or the big player and then it would be uh, totally like um, disastrous, I think, uh, for Europe because you would have just a few cities, it would be controlled and you would not have uh, impact and you would not be able to create actually the European companies with the investment they would require if you don't give them a market at scale. So what do you think are the main business models that will enable this autonomous driving technology? So apart from yours and, and your approach? But honestly, it's not, I don't know if it's our approach, but I think there's no, I don't see any business model where it's an individual car, except maybe like a few very, very rich people, because also those cars will cost like at least 200,000 uh, mm. euro. So except if you're like a bit of a you know fanatic and you want to have your own autonomous car, I think the market to like a B2C is very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there will be a space for private operators uh, that would have like a fleet of, of those uh, vehicles. And I think there would be, of course, like public transit authorities that would also want to add this type of service to their fleets. Um, and then last but not least, I think a very, very important uh, part of the, the puzzle would be like the autonomous delivery. We've seen how it has already, um, you know, taken even more light now with the COVID and so on. But like when you think about it, the, 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 the autonomous car can work with humans during, let's say, imagine during peak hours or during, and then during the night, during low hours, they can do delivery. So you could, you have a lot of vehicles that have like mixed platform where you can just change. They have the same, you know, chassis, but then they change, um, passenger or cargo. And so I think cargo will be also a very important uh, business model in last mile delivery, but also in trucking uh, on highway. No, but at the end of the day, mobility is uh, is like almost a sovereignty issue. If you don't know how your people move, you don't control, uh, like if, if it would be, if imagine for one day that we don't have any more like European, let's say, transport system, and it's all like Waymo pods or uh, Asian pods uh, of transporting mm-hmm. people. Like you don't know where people move. You don't know what is the data that's consumed within the car. Like there's there's clearly a sovereignty issues for country, 
um, because at the end, the country is just like borders with people that move within it. Um, there is a question of, as I said before, of equity and fairness, because if you cannot impose the, actually, like what we did in the telecom, in the telecom, we say, look, you want to put your like um, fiber uh, in this in this region, you want to be, to put your antenna there, you also have to cover the white zone. So there is like a, a market that we will give you, but you will have to provide service and we will put like standards and criteria and you can do the same as well uh, on, 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 okay, I want you to actually provide that type of service. I want, uh, um, so there's a, a way of coordinating actually like public transport policy that, uh, that will be needed. And there's also, I mean, we need to ensure that clearly you've seen the market gap of the OEMs. It's like a total fall down, um, uh, but there's, there are like millions of jobs at stake. It's not like before internet was a new sector and we just didn't manage to, you know, win this new battle. Mm. Now it's kind of like, it can be disaster scenario if suddenly like all the OEMs and all the transports operator company just, you know, can, are not able to transform themselves. And so what we're not saying, okay, look, we don't take any American or Asian company because, okay, this is also a free market. They have invested, they have the technology, but it's more like, how do you work together in a fair way? And clearly, if it's just like uh, the mayor of a small city trying to negotiate, we've seen it with Uber, like they don't have the tools to negotiate fairly. So what you need is like a coherent European policy that is declined at the country level where you have standards at the mm -hmm. country level and you have like, you want to be in France, this is the market, this is the rule, this is how we will select the winners, like what a bit what was done in the telecom, when at the end you were uh, auctioning uh, uh, the, the, the spectrum uh, and mm -hmm. saying, look, the road has a scarce resource, we will have three operators, they will share the market, and that's it. And you can be part of it, but it could be a consortium, like what also was done in the telecom. I think one voice of a small city or even a big city compared to like the giants is very mm -hmm. small. But if you put them all together with a vision, as you said, and with a clear message, then you can start really having a dialogue. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so I think we have covered all topics, okay. <laughs> I, I guess. So I really appreciate your you sharing your time, thoughts, ideas about all of this. And I especially now that... that that we are in a in a difficult situation and we are seeing that things are accelerating. So I think it's a, an important time to share all these ideas. So I would like to close out with a fun, final question about your motivations. So it's you are in, in the leading team of a startup, which is defining, designing, and implementing the future uh, in a day-to-day -day basis. So our uncertainty is embedded in, in your work and it's really challenging. So what drives you to be working in this in this specific space? Yes, yeah, so I would say I studied you know, public policy and then I studied business. And I always, even when I was at McKinsey, I was working in the public sector practice in healthcare mostly, but I was always interested by industries that would change ecosystem at scale or would touch, you know, both like, I really like both people's life and, and uh, economy. Like um, and I feel like mobility is really in this in this uh, intersection. It's uh, that, and that's why like every time you think about mobility, you work with like the public transport agency. There is like I think there, there are like some sectors that are really embedded into people's life. I think 
I mean, we've seen mobility is kind of the nerve of every society. And I think it's just fascinating also to see that because this is really the next sector that is going to be totally, totally, totally revolutionized. Like we've seen for 50, 60 years, our grandparents, I'm exaggerating, but they were traveling in the small car, mm. almost the same that we are doing today. Like the radio is like, what I mean is like, it has been totally under the radar in terms of innovation. And now it's, we all feel it, it's moving, it's moving, and it's like, and the best is yet to come. So I think it's a super exciting uh, industry mm. to be in. Uh, I have to say, like, uh, it's also Martin that introduced me to this world because I was more in the healthcare space. And at the beginning, I, 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 I've never been, uh, you know, following so closely the tech. But what I love about, um, I mean, when I say the tech, it's like the, the engineering behind, like, the algorithm of the a autonomous car. But what I love is how we're thinking about that in terms of, like, you know, sovereignty for Europe, economy, how do you create jobs, how do you shape people's um, life and so on. So, mm. yeah, I think, uh, as you said, there's a, lo a lot of uncertainty, but I, I think there are a few more sectors that are as exciting as, as, as mobility today. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. When I entered uh, Wondo at Ferrovial Mobility, it was a year ago also when I started working on mobility. And for me, it was very important how the, the impact of this sector is going to be very important to people's lives. So that's yeah, totally. because all the, all the changes that we've been like living, they are big changes, but, but they are not that you are not going to find every day in every moment. This, this sector is something that is going to affect cities. It's going to be the driver of the new changes and, and the future of the cities, which is absolutely something very important for, for, for citizens and for all, all the people. So that's, that's why I, I believe it was it was important. Okay, so thanks again for sharing you, your ideas, John. Jasmine, and, and looking to sorry forward. My husband, my daughter, <laughs> don't worry. Behind. This is the beauty of remote working. <laughs> okay, so I, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Yes, thank you it so was much. really That's interesting great. for me. Yes. Okay, me so thank you. Thank you for taking the time.